was it. Never got and that to, was kind of it right there. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was it. Well, one thing I like is I kind of uh, brushed off the album. Um, there was something that didn't stick with me about it. Um, uh, the the Burrows album. How many oh, Burrows are Burrows. the five Burrows? That's a great album. I know. I didn't. There was something. Todd played it for me a bunch when he was like DJing over the Knock Knock. I heard it. And there was this something I was just kind of like, mm. I, and it was me. It wasn't the album. It sounds like their old stuff. Like, it's yeah. That, like, well, it, I feel like I have this whole other album, and it's a lot. It's a really like it's a double album or whatever. Yeah. Like, it's a it's a lot of songs. And I I, I wasn't like Hello Nasty is not my favorite. I like things about it, but like well, intergalactic. It, yeah, I mean a couple of the things that you know, um, but uh, I can't. I I just don't know what fucking stick was up my ass about the fucking five burrows, but um. It was a, a couple years ago. I was like painting. Can't even remember where. I was like, oh, I'll put a YouTube mix of the Beastie Boys on. And it's, you know, the you know, this album, Check Your Head, you know, Licensed Ill. And I was like, was oh, this a new one? <laughs> where did this come from? <laughs> like, oh, it's that album I've never really given a chance. So I've kind of, knowing that I'm going to love it, I love it. All, knowing that I've listened to it later and I've loved it, it's kind of like one of them like special treats. Like, right. you know, like, oh, I'm going to open up that candy. You know, on a special, you know, special occasion. But yeah, I'm looking forward to getting into that one. Yeah, that one has an old sound. Like if you told me that one, if that was the sophomore album, I would have believed you. Or something in between this one and like, yeah. like check your head. Like yeah. that would fit like right in the mix. Yeah. Um, but, but where were we at? Uh, where the hell are we? We left off at the Ramones. Yes, yes. We played Susie's Ed Banger by the Ramones, and then. Folsom Prison Blues by Johnny Cash. One single line sampled, but it's it's a sample. It's going on the list. One of the 105. Um, coming up next. We got Rose Royce. Let's rock. It's from the car wash soundtrack. Six o'clock. Let's rock. Yes. Off the... Uh, that soundtrack with that really awesome Richard Pryor movie. <laughs> And I don't think anyone's ever worked at a car wash that fun. Yeah, like, right. No. I've had friends that worked at car washes. I, I, I got a totally different story. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here we go. Take it away, Rose. Thank you. 
I guess we are. Uh, what did we play there? I just thought I'd burp into the microphone. <laughs> yeah. Very, very professionally. Because you classy like that. Well, I just, I thought it was going to be like one of those ones that slipped out like all, <laughs> you know, like I was just breathing, but it was one of them. It's, it's never that way. Like when you, well, never no, when you hear them. No, I don't mean you. I just mean like when you think like, I'll just let this out silently. Like it's. That's when it's like, bro, you know. Was it the movie Step Brothers? Like, did you just fart? Yeah, I could hear it. Well, I didn't think you'd be able to smell it. Yeah. <laughs> They're in a closed room. Uh, where do we start? We all started that on? with Rose Royce doing Six O'clock DJ. Oh, we did. We did. We did. Soundtrack. We did. Uh, tell me something good. The the Ronnie Laws version of it. Oh, very cool. Very pretty, cool. Pretty, pretty, pretty fucking great. Loved it. Good times, bad times. Led Zeppelin. Who? Uh, yeah, there's this band. <laughs> um, they're they're from the seventies. Um, Probably never heard. The of guitarist them. married like a thirteen year old girl or something. <laughs> Nobody talks about it. Yeah, yeah. Just like, oh, <laughs> it, it's always the weirdest people that get the pass. You know what I mean? Like him and um, was it Dane Cook's girlfriend who's yeah. like twenty two now? They started dating when she was sixteen or something. I'm right, like, he's like. 42 or something like and also he's dane cook yeah, like like too. like i wonder if she likes him for his money yeah because uh, I, mean, I mean i hope so girl because if this is really like you know sending some right. strong you know 
lion man vibes that you want to hop on. You, you maybe want to reassess something. <laughs> There's people, maybe talk to your sister or something. Um, from there, we went to Johnny the Fox meets. It cuts off. I don't know. Is it Joe? <laughs> no. Um, what is it? Here, I'll hit it and then I'll pause it. Uh, it's Thin Lizzy. Johnny the Fox meets Jimmy the Weed. Oh, that classic tale. <laughs> uh, into uh, one of Claudia's favorites. Uh, Donovan. Donovan. Uh, I think you have about as many Donovan albums as you do cake CDs. This is true. I I, th- you, I I think that's your game <laughs> with your collecting is like you, there's got to be some equilibrium. Like you can get other stuff, but the the Donovan cake ratio <laughs> to needs to be a one to one kind of thing. You do have a lot of Donovan, and there ain't nothing wrong with it. You I, have your champions, I have mine. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have champions. I just like Primus a lot. Oh, okay. And Ween's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> It's like me with musicals. I'm like, I hate musicals, except for... Except for the three really great ones I love. Hurdy yeah. uh, Gertie Man. Hurdy Gertie Man. Hurdy Man. And... Uh, yeah, no. Is that where we finished That's off? That's where we finished oh. off. What time are we looking at? Oh, whoa. We better stop fucking running our goddamn mouths and play some of this goddamn music. Boogie on Reggae Woman. By the one, the only Stevie Wonder. Elgon, take me away.
fun music we were bopping and dancing having a good time good uh good set of tunes to do that too yeah for sure funky funky that last one was um the one and only grace jones who um is playing the fox theater next month sadly on the same fucking day we'd already bought tickets to go see roger waters Waters. i almost said john waters but (laughs) uh, you want to talk about duets that would be great but uh, if you if, if you're not obligated to the Pink Floyd Boomer concert, I'd I'd, I'd recommend going to the Grace Jones concert. So because I sure as fuck well would love to go to that. But yeah, nipple in the bottle. Started that set off with um, what was it? Boogie on Reggae Woman by Stevie Wonder. Boogie on Reggae Woman. <laughs> Will we ever meet Stevie? Maybe one of these days. G. I'd like to think that they did meet Stevie at one right. point. You know? I believe it, so. It'd be, it'd be kind of kind of weird if they didn't. An I don't 80s know. award show somewhere. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. Sure. yeah. Even though it was backstage, casually. And then it was... Uh, hey, Pocky Away by hey, the Meters. By the Meters. Holy Ghost by the Bar K's. And yeah, it ended it off once again, a nipple in the bottle. Um, Grace Jones. This is a filling up one for the road, I right. guess. I don't yeah. know. I, I, you know. <laughs> I think one of my favorite things with her was uh, Pee Wee's Playhouse, uh, the, the Christmas special she did. Rumpa pum pum. She came out of the box. She was accidentally delivered. She was supposed to go to the, the White House, but they delivered her to the, the, the Playhouse instead. And she came out in this really crazy avant-garde looking gown and thing and did a uh, rumpa pum pum, little, little drummer, boy. drummer boy, and it was great. And I'm not one for Christmas songs with that one kicked yeah, ass. Right. Which is also interesting. It was supposed to go to the White House, so that was supposed to go to Ronald Reagan. Right. I, we, I didn't even realize that until we, th- we were talking about it the other day. I was like, well, who was, who was president? Oh, my God. Reagan went out. <laughs> sure, uh, that would have gone over well. <laughs> well, that's how black folks had to get into the White House back in those days. Yeah, right. it, was, it was a con- You had to use the mail. Um, anyways, um, shit, we're about done. We are about done. About done. Um... We're taking you out on a Beastie Boys. On song. an actual track from the album, yeah. Which was not a. It was a hard one. It was not an easy one. I'll say that it wasn't say hard, but like, it was not an easy one to pick. But um, we're going out with Shadrach. Shadrach. Uh, great fucking song. Great we'll song. see you next Tuesday. Yeah. Um, bring down a bring down a bunch of punk rock forty fives and got some um, couple new uh, compilations and stuff with a bunch of blues and old crazy stuff on it. So we'll just be throwing a together a set. 
But until then, uh, see you next Tuesday. See you.
white sheets around my head The home of daytime TV Moans like the walking dead And it is thick and black Cover my throat and back Inside a store Thank you. 
disunity that we have today here. This is Oakland right here. This is town business. This is Oakland right here. We are the community. We are teachers, students, laborers, parents. We are together as the Oakland community. And as the Oakland community, we stand on the side of our students. We stand on the side of investing in our schools. We stand on the side of providing a living wage for Hey, and welcome to Weekly Review. Pardon the really quick introduction there. Uh, this is Roman. Thanks for tuning in to the Weekly Review. We just heard from Keith Brown, and as many folks know, the Oakland teachers are on strike. Went on strike yesterday, starting Thursday. So um, sending lots of love and support out to all the teachers there and folks on strike and people supporting them. And hopefully we'll have some more information on this program today as we join. Thanks to the Anti-Police Terror Project. They have uh, they posted this video. And we're, I'd originally planned, I'm going to take a breath, I had some coffee this morning. <sighs> Wired. Okay. So originally I'd, there's another video I was looking for. And initially sometimes like mainstream media, like I try to avoid them because I don't trust them. And also they have a very biased point of view. So I was really looking more for uh, independent and grassroots uh, folks who have recorded people speaking as opposed to the newscaster speaking their perspective. I really wanted to hear from the people themselves who are speaking. And I had found something, I believe yesterday, and uh, still uh, looking for it. Ooh. Great. Uh, here's a little bit more here. Thanks again to the Anti-Police uh, Terror Project, whom you can follow on Twitter, which is at uh, APTP Action. So I'm going to play a little bit more. Also start off the show, I'm going to slow down with my talking. <sighs> I'm going to calm down. Also, thanks so much for listening. You're listening to Mutiny Radio. We're broadcasting live from San Francisco. We're on Ohlone land. Um, thank you so much for, for tuning in. We have a guest coming in later today, uh, Shahid Buttar. Uh, really much looking forward to hearing from him. Uh, lots of really inspirational things to talk about, so that's really good. And also, while I have it here in front of me, there's always there's only so much we can get to um, within the two hours that we're here. And there's a lot to talk about and a lot of information to share. I definitely want to share information and also go over some news stories that are uh, honestly depressing and frustrating and in some ways not surprising because this is the world that we're living in and folks who are aware of that recognize this. However, we'll be getting to those stories in a little bit, but I also wanted just to remind folks that on Saturday, March 9th at noon, there's going to be a San Francisco march and rally, hands off Venezuela. So I wanted to read some information um, about this so folks can participate and or tell folks who are able no coup, no war, no sanctions. Join us March 9th for a march and rally against the oh, I hate him. 45's administration. Uh, they're, ugh, ugh, gross. gross. Ugh. Okay, it's just a natural reaction I have. Okay, and that's the whole administration, by the way. I have to them. Okay, I'm going to get through the sentence. I am going to get through the sentence. Ugh. Ugh, just fucking disgusting. Okay. Okay, against the administration's effort to, and also, before I finish the sentence, I'm also just going to recognize that previous administrations have also caused coups in other places, and so it's not just limited to this previous administration. I have a lot of nasty feelings about previous administrations, too. So wanting to put that out there. Okay. 
I'll continue. Join us on March 9th for a march and rally against 45's administration's effort to engineer a coup in Venezuela and a new devastating war there. The aggressive policy against Venezuela repeats the ugly pattern of war for regime change in the oil-rich countries of Iraq and Libya. National Security Advisor John Bolton, I'm not actually spinning because I don't want to spit on the board, but I feel the need to spit when I read that person's name, is reading from the same script, declaring a troi- quote-unquote troika of tyranny in Latin America, like fuckface, excuse me, George W. Bush, uh, his access of evil, as a precursor for regime change, first in Venezuela and then Cuba and Nicaragua. 45 officials are openly talking about seizing Venezuela's vast oil reserves, the largest in the world. It is time to show up and with a clear voice say no to the newest example of the quote-unquote or, yeah, in quotes, uh, Monroe Doctrine, which the U.S. government has used for over two centuries to repeatedly invade Latin America and Caribbean, control its politics, and extract its resources. The White House aims to overthrow the government of President Nicolas Maduro and replace him with Juan Guaido. Guaido is a U.S.-trained operative who was unknown to the vast majority of Venezuelans before he proclaimed himself president at VP and I'm running out of expletives to use, but <sighs> thinking a lot of thoughts. Ugh. Pence, Ugh. so angry. Ugh. I get. I'm so angry about Mike Pence and have been for years that uh, I was at a. I don't go to baseball games too often, but I was at a baseball game and there's a player on the Giants whose last name is Pence, and I saw the a jersey a fan was wearing, and I got really angry. I get that angry when I see the word Pence. So gross can't listen to Sixpence None the Richer. It's a British band. It's a joke. I could probably listen to them. Anyway, moving on. <sighs> I'm trying to find humor in the fact that there are people in positions of power who are causing great harm to millions of people around the world. That's one of my coping mechanisms. Okay, moving on. I will finish reading this flyer. <sighs> fuckface. I call them all fuckfaces. That's, I need to be... Maybe I should come up with some more... <sighs> men with horrible behavior. That's limited description but that's who they are okay okay oh at vp pence's urging See, I couldn't even finish the sentence because I get so angry. Ah, although Guaido has the backing of 45, the CIA, and the Republican and Democratic Party leaderships alike, huge numbers of Venezuelans have marched to reject this coup and defend their independence. Uh, learn the truth behind the U.S. attacks study group on Venezuela. Okay, this happened previously. Um, that was February 16th. Um, but the, the event, the March and the Rally, is coming up on Saturday, March 9th at noon. And that's at UN Plaza on 7th and Market in San Francisco. This is put on by the Answer Coalition. You can follow them on Twitter, at Answer Coalition, or go to answersf.org. They also have a phone number, 415-821-6545. The San Francisco action will be held in conjunction with the National March on Washington on March 16th. Initial signers of the march, there's a lot of groups and individuals who are all signed up and supporting this march as well. And I'd imagine if you go to the website for the Answer Coalition, they'll have much more info as well. And also, if you're interested in learning more about Venezuela, on the I think it was yesterday. Yeah, it's been a long week. It's been a really long year already. However, I know we're only in February. However, oh, if you go to last week's podcast, you can check it out at mutinyradio.fm. There's a podcast archive. Um, I played a 
uh, teaching about Venezuela. I learned a whole lot by going there and listening to folks speak. So if you're interested in learning more and uh, also having conversations with people and helping educate each other, I recommend checking that out. Again, it's last week's episode. Also now, we're um, not only are we on iTunes and the Mutiny Radio website, but we're also on Stitcher. So if you have the Stitcher app, you can find us. It's all the weekly review, all one word. Again, uh, didn't plan it that way. That's how it happened. We'll change it, maybe can't make any promises but if you would like to listen on another platform that is also possible so here we have another brief video snippet from folks who are speaking um, from the oakland teacher strike again you can follow uh, anti-police terror project on twitter at aptp action they posted this video so thank you for them for sharing that and uh yeah we're gonna play this video and then we'll be back teacher at elmer's community prep Okay, and again, I apologize, these are just snippets, so I'm going to look for a little bit more audio if we are able to find it so I can share that with you all. Uh, Also, Unicorn Riot, which is a much more independent news source, has some info as well, and I'm going to check out their site right now to see if there's any more audio I can share with you all, because I think it's really important to hear from the teachers themselves, uh, as opposed to, again, the corporate media's perception of it, and they have an article uh, here as okay, we've got some youth uh, photos of some students here, and see if we can get some audio on this to play. It's about twenty. Oh, I am gonna start crying. That's beautiful. Uh, I, I whenever I get not whenever, oftentimes if I do get discouraged or distressed, I do see all the young people out there, and it makes me feel really encouraged. So sending lots of love and solidarity to all the folks out there on strike. And there was an article recently that was, ooh, another clip. Great. Um, it's about 12 seconds. Okay. Uh, that In 2000, 2018, there was just uh, more strikes, I think, in 2018 than there had been in previous decades, possibly. Um, don't quote me on that. I know it's a radio show, and when should it, I'm going to go find the article so I can read some more information. But there definitely was a lot of the teachers. Also, the teachers in West Virginia again went on strike, and they went on strike again so quickly that they their demands were met before the strike really had a lot of time to. This is their second one, so lots of teachers are organizing. Uh, just really grateful for all the folks who are organizing. That's great. And that's how change happens through strikes and boycotts and riots. It's really people coming together as opposed to electing one single person to somehow solve the problems of capitalism, which obviously doesn't seem to work very well. So just sending lots of love and support to all the folks out there. So let's let's hear this. It's like about 12 seconds. And this was shared by uh, Ryan Gilley, who's at underscore hawk underscore I. And this is the Oakland Teacher Strike Day 2, Glenview Elementary, showing up strong. Let's see. The teachers, fights by the school. Schools. Okay. Yes, sir. 
Okay. And yes, as I mentioned, it was a pretty, pretty short clip here. Um, but there's lots of folks who are going out on strike and in support and the picket lines. And also, uh, yesterday, uh, great theater, uh, the Grand Lake Theater in, in Oakland had $1 screenings of Black Panther and Ralph Breaks the Internet um, in honor to, you know, for folks who are on strike just away for folks, things that folks can do. And in the meantime, and there's Fruitvale Elementary. We got some folks here, some music. We'll play this. And this was also shared by APTP. If you're interested in following uh, me on Twitter, you can do so at Roman, R-O-M-A-N-R-I-M-E-R. I I mostly share uh, articles and video from other folks, so try to share as much as I'm able to. And I'm just scrolling right now. Got some more kiddos here. (laughs) Got kids with signs. And that was shared by at uh, P-R-O-F-E Bay, B-A-E. That's from Markham Elementary School. So lots of students out there supporting the teachers. Lots of parents out there. Here's another video. And And lots of folks carrying a banner that says fund our public schools, the heart of our community. That was shared by Michelle Dion at Shell Dion. And that was the current March chant, get up, get down, Oakland is a union town. And W. Kamau Bell has also shared some video. So hopefully with these audio clips, I know they're they're short, um, but just seeing how many places in Oakland are in support of the teachers and... Uh, just, yeah, sending lots of love and support out there to these folks. Oh, goodness. Okay, so this was also a clip. Uh, The teachers are saying, students, students, what do you see? And the children are responding, I see my teachers standing up for me. Sometimes on the show I want to cry, and it's because I'm reading articles that make me so sad for the world, and then there are instances like this that are just so beautiful. 
So I think that's really incredible. All right, we're going to take another music break. I'm going to wipe my eyes a little bit. I uh, often ask for music requests, so I think we've got some music requests. I also opened up the show with a band I hadn't heard from before, and this is a band called Tongue, which is uh, T. U-N-N-G, and this was from the album Songs You Make at Night, and they have a band camp. You can check them out. And going into the requests here, uh, Shirley has requested some songs by Yuna, who we played on the show, I think, back in 2014. It's been a while. So starting off with a cover of Come As You Are, and we'll be getting into some more music, and we'll be joined by our guests later on in the program, so stay tuned.
Welcome back to the Weekly Review. That was Yuna with Rescue. And before that, Yuna's cover of Come As You Are. Doing a uh, plug for a show that's up right now in New York. So if you're in the New York area, please do check out this great show. It's called Am I a Man? It's featuring uh, the best of San Francisco Fringe, Fringe Award winner Dazier Grego Sykes, a story of pride and the violence that transforms sissies into their own kinds of men. And the following dates it's happening, which is tomorrow, February 23rd at 3.20 p.m., Tuesday, February 26th at 5.30 p.m., Sunday, March 3rd at 1.50 p.m., Thursday, March 7th at 5.30 p.m., 
and Saturday, March 9th at 8.20 p.m. It's at the Crane Theater at 85 East 4th Street in New York. For tickets, check out daziegrego.com, and that's D-A-Z-I-E-G-R-E-G-O.com. It's uh, $20 for tickets, uh, $12 discount tickets for students, military, and seniors with ID. So again, please check out the show if you are able. Okay. Next up... Um, I don't think I've ever been able to make it through a show without reading a depressing news story. Uh, maybe, I think there, there have been times when, you know, I've had guests in for the entire two hours and I don't get a chance to read articles. And um, However, it's really important just to talk about what's actually happening, especially locally. And there's a story from the Examiner that came out uh, last Friday, or, uh, this came out earlier this week, report nearly 400 people have died homeless on San Francisco streets since 2016. And the folks at the Coalition on Homelessness say that that's uh, actually that, as that estimate's a little bit under what the reality is. Uh, this was written by Joshua Sabatini, and this came out on February 21st. Many of the homeless who die on San Francisco streets have little contact with city shelters or services for mental health or substance use in the years before their deaths, according to a new city report. The findings on the three-year homeless death report, which was presented to the Health Commission Tuesday night, show the need for the city to do more to reach out to those who are not engaged in services, according to the report's author, Dr. Barry Zevin. Zevin, who provides medical care to the homeless for the Department of Public Health, has worked for the past several years to improve the city's imprecise method for measuring homeless deaths as previously reported by the San Francisco Examiner. His new report takes a deeper dive into medical examiner cases to better ascertain who was homeless and provides additional details about the deaths such as causes and demographics. There are 128 homeless deaths in both 2016 and 2017, while in 2018 the count was at least 135. More cases from last year are expected to be reported in the coming months. There was a concentration of deaths in the Civic Center, Tenderloin, Soma, and Mission, but these deaths occurred all over the city, Zevin told the Health Commission. Drugs like uh, methamphetamine or opioids caused or contributed to 52% of the deaths, while alcohol caused or contributed to 32% of the deaths. Nearly 70% of the homeless residents who have died since 2016 had not stayed in a shelter or navigation center in the 12 months before their death. Most people had had no stay, not even a single night in a shelter or navigation center in the past 12 months. And even if we go back to past years, many of those people had a very scant, had very scant shelter or navigation center use. Zevin said 42% had been homeless for more than a decade, the report said. San Francisco has a relatively high number of homeless deaths per capita, Zevin said, that while New York City has about double the number of deaths, its homeless population is about 10 times larger. There are likely many reasons for San Francisco's uh, proportionately dramatically larger number of deaths, but New York City's law requiring everyone have right to shelter is likely one factor, Zevin said. We don't currently have the capacity to shelter everyone who needs to be sheltered, he said. He also highlighted that many of those who died were not engaged in city services. Although we talk a lot about high users of multiple systems, most of the people here had very little use in our emergency and urgent systems and we're even less in our primary care mental health and substance use disorder treatment systems, he said. Seven recommended the city improve alcohol treatment services, a system that may not be put together in such a way to reach the highest risk individuals. Deanna Lawn, 
of the San Francisco Community Clinic Consortium said she hoped the report would change the way the city prioritizes housing, citing a lack of coordination between our housing opportunities, which I know are very limited, and people's health status. Lon said that those treating the homeless are frustrated that no matter how they evaluate the person's care, it doesn't seem to affect their ability to eventually get into some kind of housing situation. Fixing this, she said, will hopefully avoid some of the preventable deaths here. All right. Um, we got a call coming in, so we're just going to take that. One moment, please. Hello, Mutiny Radio. Hi, is this Roman? Hi, yes. Hi. Thanks hey, for calling in. Good, thanks. Right on. How is the, um, how's the background noise here? Um, it sounds, it sounds pretty, sound pretty clear right now. Okay, I'm on Market Street, but I kind of ducked into the like alcove in front of the Orpheum Theater, so I think it's a little bit soundproof. Okay, yeah, it sounds great. Okay. So right thank, on. yeah, thanks for calling in. Uh, feel free to introduce yourself and uh, yeah, tell the listeners what's what's going on with you. Word. Uh, my name's Shahid Buttar. I'm a uh, uh, soon-to-be publicly declared candidate for public office here in San Francisco. I'm going to be challenging Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi. Yay. Uh, in the 2020 Democratic primary. Excellent. Uh, well, there's definitely a lot of things to challenge her on, to put it uh, mildly. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah, I feel like this is a time when uh, there are a great many crises confronting our country, and we would hope that our elected leaders would be uh, up to the challenge. Yes. Um, and, you know, unfortunately, for better or worse, I dare say worse, uh, you know, several generations of them have, have proven themselves not to be. Yes, indeed. So what inspired you to, um, for our listeners out there, what inspired you to get involved? A couple things. One of them certainly was Bernie's 2016 presidential campaign. Uh, I'd been asked to run for office for almost 20 years now, ever wow. since I graduated from law school uh, from Stanford. I went to D.C. to uh, help build the movement for peace and justice while I was uh, starting a law practice, um, pursuing a whole bunch of public interest projects related to issues like getting money out of politics and securing marriage equality for same-sex couples, which at the time was uh, very far from uh, accepted in the political mainstream. Mm-hmm. Um, and I saw in Bernie's campaign success in a campaign building a movement. There's so much of electoral politics has always seemed to me like a racket. And frankly, having run for office in one cycle before, that only reinforced that impression. Yes. Uh, that notwithstanding, though, I saw Bernie help the movement through his campaign, not only by shifting the discursive window and normalizing a set of previously uh, dismissed policies that now have been uh, gained credibility by virtue of his right. embracing them and his advocacy. And I also saw him mobilize, electrify, and organize a base. And that in particular uh, was an example that I found inspiring, uh, one that I wanted to try to emulate. Mm-hmm. And frankly, as I see us confront a entrenched incumbent, recognizing that it will be a very steep climb, the opportunity to organize and mobilize and inspire a base that can go on to do all of the various things that it can beyond our campaign, uh, you know, both issues uh, maybe that our campaign isn't uh, necessarily working on, like, uh, but also beyond temporally, the life of the campaign. Uh, you know, seeing Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez win in uh, Brooklyn, to me, seemed to some extent a reflection of Bernie's influence mm-hmm. and inspiration and organizing and... Uh, you know, whether through the lens of a tactical victory, like taking the seat from the incumbent speaker, uh, or a strategic victory in the form 
of uh, seeing our supporters go on to do uh, inspiring and world-changing things. I'm very assured that we will win something. I'm curious to see just how much and, and uh, how broadly that victory goes. Yeah. So uh, what are some issues that you're passionate about? At the top of our platform mm -hmm. in 2020 is the Green New Deal. I am very concerned about the climate crisis confronting our species and the complete inability of our political sphere uh, to respond given its neutralization and co-optation by fossil fuel extraction companies. Um, embedded are a couple different issues. It's both climate justice and political process reform, because as long as we have a political system that is driven by corporate money, we can predict at the outset that we won't be able to respond meaningfully to the climate crisis. Mm -hmm. um, so that's, that's one set of issues that very deeply inspires me. My very first legal case uh, after I graduated law school was uh, related to Getting money out of politics, there was a law that had passed Congress uh, in the years just before, this was 2003, mm -hmm. the Bipartisan Campaign Reform Act, known in some circles as McCain-Feingold. Mm -hmm. uh, it, had, it had aimed to take corporate soft money out of elections, Yes. and the Federal Election Commission started basically a campaign to eviscerate that law and undermine it by uh, issuing permissive regulations with the law. Uh, frankly, had been passed by Congress to strengthen. And uh, I was representing the House co-sponsors of that act, um, Shays and Meehan, Chris Shays and Marty Meehan. Mm -hmm. And we won that case before the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals upholding aspects of the Campaign Reform Act. Uh, this was six years before the Supreme Court in the Citizens United decision basically destroyed everything that I spent that phase of my career working on. <sighs> uh, so I've, I've spent a long time trying to get money out of politics. I've watched its intrusion, its re-intrusion, I should say. I can tell a fascinating story about Senator Feingold, who was one of the Senate co-sponsors yeah. of that bill. But, yeah. uh, we can save that for uh, a minute. But yeah, that, so those are some issues I'm really passionate about. Medicare for All is another, uh, the peace and justice movement and aligning, aligning our foreign policy with human rights yes. is a long-standing interest of mine. I've been a direct action activist in the peace and justice movement now for about 20 years. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, police violence and civil rights for the last 10 years, I've been particularly focused on surveillance of marginalized communities by local police, mm -hmm. as well as their federal counterparts. Uh, and the I don't want to describe that as a threat to privacy. I see that as a threat to democracy. Yes, yes. Uh, in the same way that I see climate you know, the climate crisis is a threat to the continued existence of human life on Earth. You know, it's uh, these crises confronting our communities that, that are, and the need for us to better respond to them that's driving me to pursue this. Yes. Well, there's, there's a lot right there. <laughs> Sorry for talking your ear off. Oh no, no, it's oh no, no. That's why you're, you're that's why you're you're here calling in. I mean, it was more of a, a comment on there's so much that's in place right now, or at least seems in place by people in positions of power that there's so much to fight back against or to correct in a way. Mm, yes, yeah. One of the things I hear you saying, and I think you're right, is that it's not just a single policy or even any set of policies that we need to combat. It is, in effect, an entire paradigm yes. that we need to change. Yes, indeed. Oh, and also just seeing how everything is connected, certainly, with, you know, with state violence, certainly, and with policing yep. and prisons and in corporations and how they're all in it together. Absolutely. There's a book by Michelle Alexander, The New Jim Crow, that for mm -hmm. me was very informative about some of the intersections that amplify the injustices of our criminal legal system. 
Yes. And, you know, the fact that it's not just police violence with impunity, it's not just racial profiling, it's not just biased sentencing, and it's not just the creation of a racial caste system. It's all of those things feeding on each other. Mm -hmm. uh, and then you add to the mix the pervasive lack of transparency yes. and lack of accountability that yes. encourages police misconduct. Yeah, I was robbed by police in Chicago in the late 90s, Ugh. basically mugged by a gang of cops outside my apartment with all of my housemates. Uh, and it was, you know, an interesting reflection as a young person to encounter what our public servants are up to. Right, right. I should thank them for making it overt, but uh, it was a uh, an early lesson for me in in, in institutional corruption. Yes, uh, and and certainly a formative experience in, um, in 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 baking into my view a critique of power. Yes. Well, it's really important that, you know, these voices, that your voices and, and voices like this are, are out there and people have, because I think, I would imagine more people than not have had negative experiences with police. I mean, at least in my circles, that's kind of a, re a recurring theme. I think that's right. I mean, the only people I think who have positive experiences with police are people who enjoy various privileges. Yes. Uh, that inhibit the police from acting uh, arbitrarily. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, it shouldn't be the privilege of some people that prevents arbitrary state action. It should be law and norms and accountability and policy right, uh, right. That, that should you know, extricate it from a calculus on the part of any police department as to how much privilege this particular person has. Yes. Um, but yes, I, I, I think you're absolutely right. As to the, the need for uh, for new voices, I just came from this morning, I was uh, at Senator Feinstein's office with the Sunrise Movement, mm. uh, which was there at a, uh, holding an action to promote the Green New Deal. And I was so inspired, particularly by a series of young people, and I mean very young, like 10 and 12 years old, mm. who spoke very forcefully with such moral clarity, and honestly, it was generationally shaming to me yes. uh, as just someone of a generation that has been so ineffective in, um, in challenging the longstanding domination mm -hmm. by fossil fuel extraction companies of our political process, and, and particularly hearing them and their message for Senator Feinstein yes. felt like a wake-up call. You know, when we need 10-year-olds to remind our elected leaders what their jobs are, right. something is wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. Yes, earlier on in the show, I was playing some audio clips from the Oakland teachers' strike, and there are a lot of students oh, nice. out there who are supporting and chanting, and it's just it's so beautiful to hear their voices. Yes, and, and it, it speaks, I think, to there's a culture shift happening under our feet. And I, this year is shaping up to me to be a very profound one in this respect. Like The, the mobilization happening out of labor mm -hmm. is incredibly powerful. You know, I was on the picket line last year with ASME, workers on strike from UCSF. Yes. Uh, medical Center, as well as Unite Here workers who are on strike from Marriott. And just in the last couple of weeks, I've had an opportunity to support uh, workers at the Anchor Union, our Anchor Brewery and Bar, who are forming an Anchor Union mm -hmm. in uh, the ILWU, as well as veterinary workers who are forming a new ILWU union. And now, see the teachers striking, uh, you know, down in LA and then Denver and now in Oakland. It is a very uh, interesting time in which we are living. And while in Prior years, you know, I say that with the tongue-in-cheek sort of reference to the Chinese um, uh, sort of apocryphal piece of wisdom that in crisis is opportunity and mm. interesting times are complicated times. I, I see in the interesting times of this year a great deal of opportunity emerging from those previous longstanding and still continuing crises. But I, I see we the people 
flexing our collective might in a way that, frankly, I have not seen uh, possibly in my life ever. I mean, I, you know, I was born in 1974. I'm an immigrant. My family came to the States when I was uh, two, in 1976. Mm-hmm. I've never seen an era of this degree of mobilization under the Bush administration. The peace and justice movement was certainly very mobilized, and I was uh, all up in it. Um, and, you know, it was part of the movement that shut down the city of San Francisco for 36 hours, the mm-hmm. day that Bush invaded Iraq, and helped shut down a Lockheed Martin facility for a day with 5,000 people Ooh, around the area. That sounds cool. I would like to hear about that if you if you have the time. Sure, yeah, totally. I'll tell you that story. It was, uh, it was um, well, and I'll finish the thought, and then I'll dive into it. Oh, yes, it. please. But even despite those very compelling, assertive, widespread mobilizations, what we are witnessing today, I think, is of a different character because it's emerging through lots of different vectors. You know, if the peace and justice movement was a bunch of different people trying to stop a predictable travesty, what we are seeing today is a bunch of different people intersecting and working through all kinds of different channels to address a whole series of travesties. Mm -hmm. You know, seeing these 10-year-olds speaking truth to power outside their senator's office, while at the same time, you know, these workers across the city in different pockets are mobilizing, while at the same time, uh, people are mobilizing still to try to combat police violence and violations of immigrant rights. You know, it's a multi-headed, multi-front struggle and movement that I see emerging today, uh, which is one reason I'm, I'm so inspired. Yeah. So you want to hear about the Lockheed shutdown? Oh, yes, please. All right, so uh, this really started in the fall of 2002. That was my second year in law school at Stanford. Uh, I got there in 2000, so the very first thing that happened when I started studying what passes for law in this country was its formal abdication in the Bush versus Gore decision. Mm. Uh, you know, the first time the Supreme Court has basically taken unto itself the prerogative of choosing a president, which incidentally introduced a very dangerous circularity in the appointment process to the court that I dare say rendered an entire body of subsequent jurisprudence of questionable legitimacy, uh, and I wrote actually 10 years ago a proposal for how to fix that. We can come back to that, but in any case, Bush versus Gore was the first thing that happened when I came to law school. The 9/11 attacks were the following uh, fall, mm. and in my third year, it was uh, in the fall of 2002 that the war drum started beating, and uh, it was, of all things, reading an article in the San Francisco Chronicle mm. that pointed me for the first time to a group called Direct Action to Stop the War. Mm which was hosting weekly spokes councils um, at a church here in San Francisco in the Tenderloin. So I started coming up from Palo Alto, uh, and we were organizing on campus a series of affinity groups that organized into a cluster that then executed a student strike in the spring. And early on in the, in the spring of 2003, we'd identified a Lockheed Martin facility in Santa Clara County oh. as a local target that maybe we could mobilize opposition at. Yes. And uh, after the shutdown of San Francisco on the day of the invasion, there were a whole series of major actions. There was one a week, practically, for about a month. We shut down the docks in Oakland twice. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in between those two mobilizations, we'd scheduled uh, the shutdown of Lockheed Martin. So we put out the call. We organized through the Spokes Council. We recruited allies and affinity groups from across the Bay Area. And 5,000 people. Wow took the trek down to Santa Clara County, and we blocked all the entrances to the Lockheed Martin campus. Uh, People locked down um, inside PVC pipes. One young man uh, who was very uh, active in the organizing phase, I believe at the time he was a student at uh, San Jose State, he uh, 
when the cops were drilling them out of the PVC pipes, they drilled into and through his hand. Oh. And he ended up uh, passing out from blood loss. And then ultimately, I ran into him several years later and come to find out that he went to the University of Kansas Medical School, essentially with his tuition paid by the county of Santa Clara. Huh. Uh, so, you know, they're interesting, uh, wow. interesting stories. Maybe the last story I'll tell you, one of the very first collaborators that I started working with on that campaign was a, uh, a grad student studying physics um, on loan to the linear accelerator at Stanford from UC Berkeley, where he was uh, in school. He's now a, uh, an astrophysicist. He's uh, very active in uh, the Indivisible Network, and he's uh, one of the very active volunteers on our campaign. Hmm. Um, so this opportunity to work together with people who I've uh, worked alongside uh, for now decades, in some cases, is, is, is what I'm excited by and uh, feel very grateful for. Yeah. Wow. Oh, thank you for sharing those stories with us. That's, and it's also like the kind of stories that I think a lot of us don't necessarily hear because they're not picked up by the media for the most part, or if they are, it's very one-sided. So right. it's also just really inspiring just to hear about what's happened in the past. I appreciate that. And it's, it's tricky for me as someone running for office because in the first instance, I'm much more interested in the issues that I am in myself, but I do have stories for weeks, you know, <laughs> um, you know, getting arrested in the Senate, asking questions no one wanted to hear. That was a story that I feel like is uh, an example of the kind of thing. In that case, I think a lot of people did see it, but the, the idea of um, stories encapsulating inspiring moments of resistance is what I hear you getting at. Yes, and, yes. And I, I have a lot of those to share. Uh, and I, my mind tends to go to the contemporary critique of the issues we need to address, but I appreciate the invitation to mm -hmm. share some of these highlights. Yeah, definitely. So what are some ways that folks can, um, I know you've also put out the call for folks to um, gather and brainstorm together uh, with your campaign in terms of like talking about certain issues that people are working on. What are other ways that folks yeah. can, can tune in? So uh, folks can check out our social media platforms on Facebook, on Twitter, and on Instagram. We're at Shawhid for Change on each of those uh, platforms. We also have a website, shawhidforchange.us. It's still the 2018 site where what what is uh, what I describe us as soon to announce publicly. It is the website that we're working on updating at the moment. Mm -hmm. uh, but the 2018 site is still up, and it presents a fair depiction uh, of our platform. The big change will be the emphasis on a Green New Deal that will be uh, uh, more in front in, in 2020 uh, when we relaunch. Other ways to connect with us, we've been supporting... Uh, I mentioned a couple of the different uh, labor mobilizations. One ongoing campaign that we've been very active in is sponsored by the National Nurses United and Our Revolution, um, seeking uh, local support for Medicare for All. And so folks who want to support our campaign can plug into the underlying movements that we're supporting. So the nurses are one example. Democratic Socialists of America, DSA, here in San Francisco, has got a very, very strong chapter that I'm a part of. Mm -hmm. um, and we have monthly meetings with uh, working groups on more or less every issue uh, that might concern someone, housing, justice, um, uh, you know, climate, the full sort of range of, of issues confronting our community. Uh, so plugging into those networks uh, is one way of helping build the movement. Um, and... Uh, I'll be very eager to uh, to reconnect with Oh, I should name a couple other organizations. The Bernie Kratz mm -hmm. endorsed us in the last cycle, and they also host monthly meetings that are open to the public, so I invite people to check that out. Um, there are a bunch of other groups that endorse us, from the SF Tenants Union to the League of Pissed Off Voters. I'm not certain how 
open those groups meetings are. Uh, but, you know, people who are interested in supporting the campaign uh, do so by helping support the underlying movements. You know, that's one of my uh, messages that I'm eager to repeat as often as I can. You know, we're, we are active in pushing volunteers beyond our campaign into the frontline organizations. Uh, that's among the things I learned from Bernie. Um, I'm eager to keep doing that. Great. Well, thanks so much for, for calling in. Is there anything else you'd like to share? Just that it's a pleasure to be with you. Thanks so much for the forum. Oh, uh, and uh, keep up the great work. Sounds good. You too as well. Okay. Thanks, right, thanks Shahid. Okay. Peace. Take care. Oh, big thank you to Shahid for calling in. And again, I will read the website where folks can check out. It's uh, Shahid for Change, and that's S-H-A-H-I-D-F-O-R-C-H-A-N-G-E dot U-S. You can find more information there, the issues, how to donate, how to volunteer, uh, press, lots more info, and also on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash weekly rev. We've got a link to that site as well. So we're going to take a bit of a music break. I'll get back to finishing the article I was reading before from the examiner. And then we'll be back with some more news stories for you all here. Here's another song uh, from Yuna called Falling. And we'll be back in a bit. So please do stay tuned. Seem to care. 
All right, and welcome back. That was Yuna with Falling. Thanks, Shirley, for that recommendation. Coming up, we've got the rest of the story I was reading before. It's from The Examiner, and it's about the number of folks who are unhoused who have been who have died in the past few years. Um, so I'm going to go back to, uh, let's see, I'm going to go back a few paragraphs back so we can continue on. Uh, Dina Lawn of the San Francisco Community Clinic Consortium said she hoped the report would change the way the city prioritizes housing, citing a lack of coordination between our housing opportunities, which I know are very limited, and people's health status. Lawn said that those treating the homeless are frustrated that no matter how they evaluate the person's care, it doesn't seem to affect their ability to eventually get into some kind of housing situation. Fixing this, she said, will hopefully avoid some of the preventable deaths here. More than 50% of the deaths were the results of accidents such as unintentional overdose, fall, drowning, being hit by a driver or exposure. Some 30% died of natural causes, 11% by murder, and 4% by suicide. The latest single cause of death was accidental overdose. Oh, excuse me. The largest single cause of death was accidental overdose at 35% based on the autopsy reports. Of those who died, 47% had methamphetamine in their system, followed by 47% with opioids. The city recently announced a task force to address methamphetamine use. Kelly Cutler, an organizer with the Coalition on Homelessness, helps put together the community's count for an annual homeless death memorial. That tally is higher since it counts those who may have been recently sheltered in supportive housing or single-room occupancy hotels, but were previously homeless. In 2017, for example, the coalition tallied 198 homeless deaths. It's a tragedy in a city, a country with such obscene wealth. People are literally dying on our streets, Cutler said. I don't believe homelessness is viewed as the emergency and crisis that it is. She said the response should be much more like responses to earthquakes or fires. Zevin acknowledged the need to look at the deaths of the formerly homeless living in supportive housing and single-room occupancy hotels as well. We know from the medical examiner that there is a large number of deaths in those settings, and there may need to be responses that go beyond just people on the street, he said. To provide an official homeless death count, the Department of Public Health has long rallied Oh, excuse me, has long relied on the homeless death forms that the medical examiner must fill out since the Board of Supervisors required it in June of 2005, but they only capture a limited number of cases when a person has no fixed address. In 2017, for example, the homeless death forms totaled just 63. So again, uh, this article came out um, from the San Francisco Examiner on February 21st and was written by Joshua Sabatini. You can uh, check it out at The Examiner, which is at sfexaminer.com. And the the Coalition on Homelessness does a lot of really important work, so I recommend that folks check them out. And also uh, for the folks who sell the street sheet to um, to please uh, buy a street sheet from folks if you're able to. And also they're now accepting Venmo. I'm going to, let me see if I can scroll down and find the info now. So if you don't have any cash on you, you can still buy a street sheet and support that paper. This might take me a moment as I scroll down to, to find it. Hmm. Let's see here. This might take me just a moment. as we are 
going down. I forget the exact day that it was posted, but it's wanting to provide uh, information for folks as well. It's another way to, to support people. And coming up next, I will read the story about uh, how uh, more U.S. workers went on strike in 2018 than in any year in three decades. So that's from Democracy Now! And also uh, Vox also wrote an article about that. So here we go. From Street Sheet, which you can follow on Facebook as well. Don't carry cash? No problem. You can now buy street sheets from select vendors using Venmo. Simply pay at street-sheet and type the vendor's full name and ID number in the what what's it for field. I'm also going to share this link right now on our Facebook page so folks have a visual representation of it as well. If you want to copy and share it with your networks as well, uh, it's one one way to support people as well. So we've now shared that. Again, if you go to facebook.com forward slash weekly rev. Time for some plugs. Uh, Mutiny Radio, it's a great place. We have shows here every day of the week. There's a lot of great programming, original programming here. If you do music, comedy, news, politics, kids have a show, lots of great shows here. And if you're interested in doing a show of your own, there are spots available. So if you check out mutinyradio.fm, you can find an open slot and do a show here of your own. It just requires a little bit of training, and you pay monthly dues, and you get to have a show here of your own. We've got some equipment here for folks to use. Also, if you're interested in renting the space on a weekend or some certain nights, uh, you're welcome to do so as well. So feel free to email Pam, who's a station director here, and get in touch with her about renting the space. Also, we have the fourth annual Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival coming up March 1st through the 5th. Uh, For the full schedule, check out mutinyradio.fm. And next Friday on the show, I'll uh, be hosting a couple of comedians uh, who thought my show sounded like a cool one to be on. So we'll be meeting them for the first time and hearing what they have to say. So please do stay tuned for that. If you'd like to donate money directly to Mutiny Radio, we have a jar here that folks can donate to when you come in. Also, I believe you can also donate online at mutinyradio.fm. And if you'd like to support this particular show, that'd be super helpful. If you go to patreon.com forward slash weekly rev, W-E-E-K-L-Y-R-E-V. You can also donate on a monthly basis. A big thank you to all the folks who donate. It means a lot to me. It helps cover dues. So uh, it just, it really means a lot to me. So thank you to all the folks out there who donate, um, folks who listen, get the word out. I feel like there are so many different ways we can make the world a better place. And so many folks are already doing that. And there is a lot of systemic things to fight against. And at the same time, there's a lot of folks doing really important work 